Hi, y'all. This is Kristen Chenoweth. Hi, I'm Gloria Stefan. This is Sarah Bareilles. Hi, I'm Patty Lapone. This is Lynn Manuel Miranda. You're listening to the Broadway Podcast Network. Welcome to the Theater Podcast, intimate personal conversations with the industry's biggest names. I'm your host, Alan Seals, and our guest for this episode is Major Attaway, who has the title of the longest genie in Aladdin history. Well, that sounds weird. (laughs) He has the title of being the genie for the longest amount of time in Aladdin on Broadway's history. He started out as the genie standby, which lends itself to a conversation that you may or may not have heard about that's been going on in theater socials these days about the importance of swings, standbys, and understudies. Of course, we address that issue head on. And he's got this new show coming to 54 Below on January 31st here in New York. It's a take on, it, well, it's a new take on Genie in his show. And kind of ask yourself, who would the Genie's friends be if he had villains as friends. I'm not going to spoil anything else because I'm just going to drop that for you right there to think about. Find me online on Instagram and Twitter. Show your support at thetheaterpodcast.com slash Patreon. P-A-T-R-E-O-N. And now everybody, please enjoy this episode with Major Attaway. Today's guest has over 20 years of experience as an entertainer and has the honor of being able to claim the title of being the person to play the genie in Disney's Aladdin on Broadway for the longest amount of time, three years, if you're wondering. He's an extremely successful voiceover actor and TV actor currently touring with his Disney-based cabaret show called The Genie's Jukebox, stopping here in New York City on January 31st at 54 Below. Major Attaway, welcome to the Theater Podcast. Thank you. Thank you for having me. How y'all doing? Hello, everybody. Oh, hello. Hello. And how are you, sir? Oh, my goodness. I'm good. And and one of the things I just got to dive straight into this. There's always like one thing I'm pulling out of people's bios when I'm when I'm talking to people that I haven't met before. And my kids are so into Pokemon. And I know that's one of the voices you do. Yes. Yes, um, I joined the the ranks of the the Almighty Pokemon um, just this year. Actually, I I play three different characters in the newly released um, Pokemon movie that is on Netflix, which is Secrets of the Jungle. And I, I voice two different Pokemon, uh, and as well as a, a human who's on the bad, the the losing side, if you will. But I, I voice. Um, Zarud, um, the the one who is second in charge, and, uh-huh. uh, the the one of them who is second in charge, the sub alpha, and also um, Boldor in that film. So yeah, little rock crab Pokemon. So you've got a nice low voice. It, it, do you find that you're mostly cast as the bad guy? Why do we stereotype bad guys as having low voices? Look, man, uh, I'm not sure. I, well, the truth is, I, I don't mind it, to be honest. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I see. Well, not only do I cast as the villain, but also like the opposite, really. A lot of military authoritative type types. Mm, you yeah. know? Um, but I, I don't mind the villain 
the villain thing at all. And the reason is I think there's a lot of value in playing a good villain, you know, uh, without a good villain, then what is Hercules going to do? I mean. Right. Well, <laughs> so this then, I mean, I think this is a great way just to jump right into the genie's jukebox because uh, tell us, tell us about the genie's jukebox. This is like alternate reality sort of thing here. Uh, multiverse, multiverse. <laughs> yes, yes, yes. It's the the genie verse, if you will. Um, yeah. So I, I want to be a Disney villain. You know that that is separate from the fact that I got to play the the genie in Aladdin on Broadway, and the fact that I got to do both of the, got to do that means you know I have a, a a venue to open that up. So essentially, um, I was in Aladdin, and I had two standbys. These were guys. These were guys who you know could both are just as capable as I am, but mm-hmm. we can't do the show together on stage normally. Right. So I wanted a way to be able to celebrate the amount of work that we put in to, to get to play that role, as well as a chance for us to sing together. So the first time I did the Genie Strukebox, uh, it was the three of us. And we we all sang together and we did we made sure that there were no solos because this was about the camaraderie and the brotherhood that we had developed and created. And this is the the next generation of it, essentially. Um, we're going everywhere to celebrate this energy. This is essentially, you know, one of the best, arguably the best role written for the big black man to date. <laughs> and, uh, I, I want to, to live in that energy. And, okay, I'm getting ahead of myself. So yes, you're right. It is a different version. This is a combination of my, my dream of wanting to be a Disney villain um, and kind of my love letter to Disney in a way. You know, uh, if you consider the jukebox, the planet, then every album in that jukebox is a unique genie's jukebox performance because each of them is uh, catered to that event, that time of year, um, that person's uh, happy place, all of those things. Uh, And so this first show that's happening at 54 Below is my bid to become a Disney villain and also a description an example of what the genie's jukebox is meant to be because of what I would play, love to see. I'm sorry. I was going to ask, do you play the genie as a villain in this show? That's a great question. No, not necessarily. Um, you get my idea of it. So where it's not, it's not, he is a villain. It is. What if the genie had villain friends, you know, who would his friends be? What in what ways are is he connected to the other magical um, beings in the Disney universe? That type of thing. Hmm. Okay, so uh, I, I, give me give, give me a little bit of like one of his friends that he's got because I, I'm you know the, the genie is in our heads in our minds because of Robin Williams and James and Roe Iglehart. When you're looking at the on stage and the movie, you've got a preconceived notion of this dude just wants to be good. And he like, doesn't want to be Jafar's genie. He wants to be Aladdin's genie because inherently he's a good dude, but like he still has to do the wishes, even if they're bad wishes. So what if you get, I mean, are there bad genies that do good wishes and good genies that do bad wishes? And I mean, we're, we're getting into all sorts of, of metaphysical stuff here. I know, but I love it so much. Um, <laughs> that, so what you've just done is add to the repertoire. You just added something else for, <laughs> for me to, to, to add to the energy. <laughs> Think about it. I love that. Oh my goodness. Uh, well, I mean, 
I guess I guess I'd say where I started was which people would it make sense for him to simply be associated with, mm. right? Because he can be anywhere and everywhere. What? How would this genie spend his time after he's free? You know, we don't get very much of that. So maybe he goes to hang out uh, with Doctor Facilier. You know. <laughs> <laughs> maybe they taught each other a few tricks of the trade, right? Maybe, maybe he is friends with Ursula from another time. Like I imagine that we could say on 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 any given Saturday, you know, the genie may go. Say he had to brush up on his skills. Like I used to be a massage therapist, right? And you have to re up on your license. You have to go mm-hmm. and take more classes. What if genie shows up to a magic course? Because after 10,000 years in the lab, you know, you might get a little rusty. So right, right. <laughs> we may have we may have him in a classroom setting where we're talking about, well, who does he become friends with? But then what time period is it? Is he young genie? Is he old genie? Because even at, at 10,000, if he lives to be a million, you know, then that's a young genie still. And so Dude. we could have them in class together. <laughs> I was gonna I was gonna make a joke earlier, but then you actually brought it in. I was like, Ursula and Jeannie went to went to Jeannie College together. Mm-hmm. And so like maybe maybe they dated in, in college and then all of a sudden they went down different paths. And you know, so now Jeannie's like, oh man, that Ursula, like I could tell Ursula was was getting into some trouble. We we didn't we didn't work out, but man, she, she just temper, started man. she, she just started she had this temper and couldn't deal with other people's voices. All she <laughs> she had this queen complex. That's what she she hated on me because the voice sounded like it did, right? <laughs> and then we dated Elsa and you know. Yes, you did Ursula and Elsa, maybe you get a little a little Flynn Rider in there. You know, it's 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 fluid, man. It's fluid. It, it, he is, he would be. That's true. That's right. That's we don't true. we don't have any clue what genitalia the genie has or what, what his preference would be. He doesn't need that to grant your wishes. <laughs> or maybe he does. He's got a different kind of podcast. So, right. <laughs> so you grow up in Dallas, Fort Worth, Texas, uh, yeah. Dallas, Fort Worth, Texas area. And I, I know a lot of people actually that came out of Texas and ended up on Broadway. What is it about that area and you specifically, like what got you into, into jumping and dancing and singing and acting and everything? Oh my goodness. Well, I, I, you know, the, the, cl- the cliche is real. Like, there must be, must be something in the water down there. You know, people from zip codes very close to mine are doing great things as well. Um, I found peace in, in art early. Uh, when, it, when it came to performing, uh, I sang first. I would say I sang before, before anything else and had to find theater. Um, once singing wasn't enough because I started to sing in church and then moved on to the Texas boys choir. Um, but I needed to do more. I couldn't stand and sing all day. I said, I need to move. I need to wiggle. So I ended up going to Casa Manana where we started doing theater there at a very, very young age. And I was a large kid. So the, the way my life work, worked was I could spend all day at the theater because my middle school was also the adopted school of the local theater. So I could spend my time there and wouldn't get counted absence from absent from school. So I would be spending the day with New York actors who had come down to do work. And I was always double cast as well because I was a large kid. So there was no other kid to fit my costume. So <laughs> I got to spend a ton of time with, with these, with these working adults early on. And I mean, that's a lot of, of what helped it, you know, gets 
realize how to do the the work itself, you know, past the passion. You know, I, I was I was with people who were paying their bills with theater early on in life, so I could see um, what it meant to them to to make that job work and things like that. I guess I didn't quite answer your question, did I? Well, you, you were around it. I mean, you sort of did because you were around it, and and that that exposes people in a way that um, some people just don't get. Like, I got into theater because my parents specifically didn't. My mom was a dance major and my dad sang a little bit, but when I was a little kid, I watched VHS tapes that they would watch at first, um, and then they became mine, of Music Man Singing in the Rain and West Side Story. Mm. So if I didn't know about that genre, I wouldn't have ever started to even explore that path, right? Uh, and. Yes. So, like, if you're if you're around someone who's a classical mu musician, then maybe you get into into string instruments because that's what you see in front of you all the time. Right. Or right. you know, like this this goes into the larger uh, um, conversation about representation, right? If you can see it, you can be it. And as a kid, what you see is what's put in front of you. So yes, you sort of answer you answer or answer my question a little bit in terms of how it got to you, but. Yes. I but do. Have I want to go. Moment. I want to go deeper because I love. I love the science. I love the science and the emotion behind it. Like I want to go deeper with you. I got you. Like, let, let me. Let you, me. Yeah. Yeah. Let me start again. Then. Then. Uh, well, to to go back to the peace moment because that's that was the initial. Yes. Uh, the beginning of it, right? Expectations. Let's start with that. So before I would sing, and after I would sing, I would have to listen to people's expectations. No. Uh, before you can sing, it's, oh, you can sing, you can't sing, or you can sing, sing for us. And then I sang, and they're quiet. After I sing, it's, oh, wow, you can sing. You could be the next. Oh, man, you could sing. You know what you should do, even though I'm not a singer, but here's what you should do with your career. <laughs> and, you know, being eight years old, that was a little much. <laughs> so what I realized is that that level of peace, that serenity, um, it was more than just for me. Like, it's what I wanted the most, which is why I wanted to sing. Let me sing wherever, for whomever, it doesn't really matter. But at the same time, it was purposeful. I could tell that it did something, you know, that, that, it, that it touched people in ways that even if I couldn't understand it or even disagreed with, you know, like, oh, well, it did that. But so that was the beginning. What, connect, what that connects to is the first time I saw a Broadway show. I did a lot of theater, a lot of singing, a lot of music everywhere. But when I saw The Lion King for the first time, that's when it clicked. That's when I said, oh, this is what I'm supposed to be doing. Like when people treat this passion I have like a hobby, that's not a problem because these people understand. These people wake up every day to do the same thing over and over again because they're supposed to be doing that. Great. I needed to see that. <laughs> I really, I needed that that uh, confirmation. How old I, were you when you saw Lion King? I, I want to say 10. 10. Oh, so you were like 11. young, young, yeah. Yes, 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 yes. 10 or, yes, 10 or 11 or 12. I need to do the math uh, because I know the year I was born. And <laughs> I think it was around 2000, um, 2001 when we saw the Tony Awards as well. Mm. But Aladdin was the... Um, Excuse me. Lion King was the very first show I saw. Um, ninth row on the aisle. I can still point out the seat. And it is the exact same place that I got to play the genie every day. 
Oh my goodness. So that was that was huge. I used to give a little love to that chair every single performance. Just to, Really? Oh, you got to. You got to. So just like whatever case. kid is there. Right. And so usually it was somebody's grandma, but they she still got the love. <laughs> <laughs> on, the, on the aisle seat, yeah. It's probably probably someone's grandma. She had to go to the bathroom quick. So yeah. Mm-hmm. But yeah, yeah. That's what no, I was that, saying. That's so that's so cool. I I, I love these uh the touchstone moments when you look back at your childhood of like when somebody they're, they're looking for something like I, I feel like sort of everyone in life, right? Like we're looking to belong. We're looking to, even as, as, a, as adults now, we're, we need to embrace this inner child and the inner child needs to be loved, needs to be accepted, needs to, to get affirmation, right? They need to feel good about themselves. And, but then there's the societal pressures of, uh, uh, of getting a job and being responsible. And if you're a parent and, and life is different for everybody, depending on what the color of your skin is, and you got to take all this stuff into an account, into account while at the same time, everybody's the same on the inside. They just want to be loved. Right. You know what I mean? Right. Just want to spend most of the time looking for joy. Cause and so Disney, life happens. this is where I'm going with this. Disney, <laughs> Disney, this is why these mofos are so good in what they do because regardless of who you are they allow you what age they allow you to to experience things and be okay and be accepted to uh, reliving magic yes. right yes yeah and, and they're pushing forward science and tech to bring that magic back to kids again in more realistic ways and i love the circular nature of of all of this i do too i do too that joy that nostalgia. <laughs> I feel like it it defines my Broadway career to date. Uh, it is a lot of the reason that I created the Genie's Jukebox. You know, it's because there's nostalgia that I felt like celebrating that I don't hear anyone else celebrating. Mm-hmm. You know, <laughs> it's, it's that simple. And so I was like, oh, um, if I if I want to do a cabaret show where where I sing um, a song from The Rescuers <laughs> because it meant that much to me. I get to do that, you know? <laughs> so, Five Goes West. Exactly, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> the hits. Um, <laughs> so I, 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 I totally agree with you. The, the value of it is so, so high, in my opinion. Um, it's why I do this work that I do. Like, that's what I want to chase all the time. And I'm totally fine with that. You know? When when you were doing Genie, and to do a role like that for three years, man, that is that is a marathon that, God, I mean, respect, mad respect for that, because that's a, that's a hard role to do. Uh, were the the feedback that you got from children versus adults because this again this is going back to Disney this is going back to something that everyone comes into this show I I can't imagine there would be anyone who comes to see the show who hasn't seen the movie first and so they come in oh you raised your eyebrows maybe but some. Right. So the majority, the vast, vast majority comes in with some sort of preconceived notion and they want you to be something that that means something special to them. Right. As an adult, I guess. Maybe some of the kids haven't seen the movie. But um, I guess where, where my question in all of this is thinking back to your time 
getting feedback at the stage door when there used to be stage doors. Oh, damn COVID. Um, when there used to be stage door experiences, used to get this feedback uh, in person. Was it was it kind of universally the same when you would talk to people after the fact, or was it kind of different depending on the age or culturally? Um, wow, yes and no. Uh, okay, so with the kids, you know, you get the honesty in that moment. If that magic was real to them, it's still real when you come outside, period, right? Uh, when it comes to the adults with the parents, it, it can vary a lot and it can get awkward, uh, but not in a bad way because I remember this stage door energy. And I should have started by saying, I love the stage door. Um, I learned as many lessons there as I did on stage without hmm. question or in any classroom ever to learn about theater. Um, that energy there is so pure that I think there's, there's just some wonderful, wonderful life lessons to take from it. So um, with, the, with the adults, you feel like you're kind of getting, like you can kind of see the child come through. Right. You know, like whatever their response is, um, either I didn't, some dads say, I didn't want to see this show, but you changed my mind, you know, or this is my first Broadway show ever. Or, um, I have, oh, I, I remember one woman moved me. She said she hadn't been able to watch the movie since Robin Williams had passed away. Wow. And what I did for her was re remind her of the value of that joy. Like she had been settled in that grief, but that was never the point of it, you know? And so I got to open that door back up for her. Um, so yeah, it, it varied from person to person, but it was always, I don't know. It was always welcome because the fact, the idea that you came around to that door to say anything to me is a win in my book, you know, because that means that that experience was, as powerful for you as it was for me, because I had to give it to you. So, yeah. I, I, there's a couple things that you said that I really love and appreciate, and that sets you and your peers apart from, um, from others who may never, never get to experience a Broadway show or perform on a Broadway stage. And, and when you're doing something eight times a week, it, you know, for one or two weeks anyway, it could get repetitive, but you're talking again, we're, we're 150 something weeks, right? We're 50, three years. Yeah. So to come out every single time and make it fresh and unique every single show. And you said something earlier about, you know, that one seat, you remember the seat you were sitting in, you give that one seat love because you never know when it's, someone's first time seeing that show. And when you've just created that magic moment for them, that they carry on and become the next you, become the next, any, you know, any other idol that they see. You have to serve stage. the moment. Yes. You have to serve the moment. Like I, I could be funny by myself at my house. Right. Don't care if my cats laugh or not. I know it was a good thing. <laughs> <laughs> like, they always, they always laugh. They always that's, laugh. that's not what it's about. Like, like I had the honor to be the first to people to be people's first Broadway memory. Like what? The curtain opens and it's major. <laughs> and like you know, that's full of so much because there were some days you could hear audible groans 
when I was a, I was a standby for my first year, right? So whenever I would go on for James, when people are there to see the Tony winner, the curtain opens and they go, oh, that's not him. Can you imagine? I'm there to do, I'm like, like if any per, any actor who wants to be in a Broadway show, you have like, you should also take that into consideration. Like, and that's going to lead us right where I know you want to go, which is um, <laughs> the understudy talk. But mm-hmm. that's exactly it. Like, I would be ready to fulfill, you know, my lifelong dream of doing this. And then I open that. I know when that curtain opens, I'm going to be burned into someone's memory as their entire representation of this thing called Broadway. Like that's, that's so much bigger than, than me being tired today. You know, that's so, it's so like, I'm part of this legacy. I'm even the stage that I'm standing on. Right. It's like, like there was a time where I, couldn't have come in the door that I get to come into. Like, <laughs> give me in my yep. feelings, but I'm like, that's huge, man. I mean, and this is this is today. We're recording Sydney Pointier, Pointier. Oh, you know, he's he died. Like, it's it's all it's singing to people who are making history, right? Oh, like, he's a king, the, the, like the first king, <laughs> the first cinema for me. Yeah, I, I, I mean. I'm with you. I'm writing. I'm writing this with you. I'm actually I'm looking at my. I got goosebumps hearing that story that, that you were just talking about because, like, you're creating this legacy. You're part of the history, standing on that stage. And I remember the first time someone brought me onto onto a Broadway stage. Afterwards, it was a friend who was on a who was in a cast, right? And they brought me yeah. in, and they were like, "You just stand, you know, stand here and wait for your friend to come out and whatever." And I was, I took that moment right there. And I was like, "This is the first time." I am ever going to stand on a stage for the a Broadway stage for the first time, and I looked out at the house and I I had this one moment where I pretended I was like, "What's it? What does it have to be like to like have a standing ovation that's coming at coming at you because you created that moment, you created that energy that has made people laugh and cry and go on this journey, yeah, with yeah. complete strangers." I'll never forget the first one, man. I'll never forget it. Um, it was so surreal. It was, and it was more, it wasn't the end of the show. It was the end of Friend Like Me. It was the first time that I finished Friend Like Me on Broadway. Um, that sound, that applause, it was, it was like the most gentle rain you could imagine. It was like this, it was like a culmination of a lifetime of, of energy. <laughs> a lifetime of never seeing what Saturday looks like because I've been doing two show days, you know, since I was in middle school. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, it was like, even if, even if my journey is finished today, you, you, you did what you said you were going to do. Uh, because I claimed it. I claimed, I claimed my chance to, to be in this cast and, um, I'll never forget. I'll never forget that that first process and all and all the the anticipation and um, just being able to thank myself. Really, you know, like mm-hmm. you're always always busy thanking everyone else who got me to where where I, I where I am, which is necessary. But for those thirty seconds, it was like, oh yeah. You did it, son. <laughs> Pat yourself on something because you did it. <laughs> We're going to take a short break. Stay tuned for more of the episode.
the attention that understudies and swings are getting right now and standbys and I mean unsung heroes of of the industry because I mean I I cannot stand and I've never understood the notion that an understudy or a swing or a standby is not as good as the principal who's there doing it or an alternate right correct because there's many there's many different reasons why people get cast in different roles and whatnot and everyone's everyone's got a career path everyone's got a trajectory and you have some of the biggest 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 names in the industry now who started out as swings as standbys as understudies exactly exactly uh i think the the way we look at it is is skewed it's 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 upside down you know may, maybe the formula needs to change where um the pride doesn't come in exhausting yourself from doing eight shows or something mm-hmm. you know maybe that's it so that that we understand that the vehicle that is theater for like if you know all of the terms you know the show must go on like that that shouldn't be at the expense of the value of the human who is making the show go on you know right uh, um and and for me, I lived that life. I lived that life in a very strong way. You know, people bought a ticket to see a Tony winner, and then it was Major's first Broadway show ever. <laughs> but at the same time, it's like, guys, it's been 20 years doing the work. This spot, this area, while it is hallowed, yes, the work is still the same. You know, I've been working on this, this mind, this imagination so that I can do this job anywhere at any time at the drop of a hat. And so much so that they trust me to uphold the responsibility of this entire piece. You know, the stakes are so high. Like there, there were times where, you know, you had to go on with 15 minutes notice. Yeah. Dipping my head in glitter and putting Swarovski crystals all over my body, and these people have the the audacity to be disappointed. Like I'm giving you everything I got out here. <laughs> the people have the audacity to be disappointed. Like come on. <laughs> when and for me, it's such really the idea of that is beautiful. Like the show is going to happen either way. Someone is ready at all times to make sure the story gets told. Like we should be honoring that. And swings, are you kidding me? Like I was a standby, I covered three roles. My friends covered eight, nine, 13. Mm-hmm. It's like, I, let them do their job. And, and you, if you don't know exactly where to go in each of those different 13 tracks, you can literally get physically damaged by Use set pieces. Life. Yes. Yeah. Get kicked in the head by a high kick. You know, like this, this is literal high, high stakes. Sometimes, I mean, when you got trap doors and you've got turntables and you've got hydraulic set pieces Come coming on. in and out. This, look, this is for no person. We this is the professional theater circuit. Now there are a lot of issues, right? But this is this is the top, and we have to deal with what we have here. But this is the top. It's like it's like you buying a ticket to go see the NFL or the NBA or the NHL. Come on, we're at the top of our game, and we mm-hmm. have to be. They have to be. So right, yeah, right. I feel a way about that. I think anybody anybody who has the chance to step into into a theater space and and work in one of those moments and uphold the show, y'all are all right in my book. I mean, I, I don't want to hear it from anybody. <laughs> I mean, you audition like everybody else. You get cast alongside everybody else. And 
And I think it's it takes just as I mean, it obviously takes just as much talent to to do the role, but I think it takes more. It takes an extra amount. You got some extra knob knob that you got to turn up to be able to be okay and be functional, like you just said, going in with 15 minutes notice. Or I've heard stories of literally people going on at intermission. Um, there was a story I heard of somebody uh, in in Come From Away the other day. Somebody wheeled, like they had food poisoning, so they wheeled themselves off mm. and and then their standby got in the chair because they were in a rolly chair. S- literally sat in the chair, rolled themselves back on. Brilliant. I, most of the audience didn't even notice. Brilliant, brilliant. In the middle of the show. So this stuff happens all the time. Yes. And I and, and I love I actually really, really love seeing understudies and I love seeing um different different combinations of casts because I mean most of acting is listening. It's being a good listener. So when you're listening to the way somebody somebody else who you're not nor- normally used to receiving from or not usually used to being on stage with right they're going to give you a different performance they're going to cause you to have a different performance and then somebody else who's watching it for the 10th time might say oh man major was really really on tonight i wonder what that is it was oh because it's aladdin's understudy that's what happened that's it tell the people that's exactly true like you you're getting to see lightning in the bottle when you see someone's you know someone's understudy someone's backup um because you could also be witnessing the birth of another star. Mm-hmm. You know, like it's happened before, and then that understudy goes on, and then that's their job. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Oh, gosh. Oh, I, I just love it so much. And also because for me, growing up, that wasn't a thing. Like, you know, like I said before, I didn't even get double cast as a kid, you know? So the respect that I have for anybody is who is supposed to sit back and learn what I do in case in case I need help, like, come on, planned help (laughs) in the theaters that I, you know, early on growing up doing theater, if you were sick, you were just sick. You know, Mm -hmm. you ever had this thing rent with a, with a a cold, like it's not, (laughs) and then you get everybody else sick. You get everybody else sick because you're, you're like singing in their faces and touching. We're all sick of rent because we're sick. God. One of one of the uh, voiceover gigs you got, you're the voice of of New Calm now, mm-hmm. and and you said part of the bio that I was reading was like you're biohacking your way to owning every day with New Calm, and uh, I guess the the owning right, um, being present, being being available. Um, you know, I, I'm giving New Calm a free plug here, but the I guess where I'm going with this is. I love how your extra extracurricular work outside of the Broadway stage, right? Because you're a very successful voiceover artist in games like Borderland, and we're talking about Pokemon, and we haven't even gotten to your Twitch streaming yet, where you're streaming <laughs> in character. Right there, you see it. Y- yep, yep, I see it. <laughs> see it behind you. <laughs> so all of this, all of this comes into, um, I guess. My question is, how are you maintaining your day to day? And now that you've gotten this one gig, you're the voice of New Calm now. So now that you've got this one gig, has that flipped a switch, or is it more of a, a, a fader that's shifting over as you're more trying to be present every day? As you're, you know, like you're saying, owning every day more and more. 
are you, do you notice a difference in who you are now versus who you are, who you were yesterday, last month, last year, previously? I love it. I love it. I love it. Um, yes. Let's see. Where do I start that answer? Um, I had a bit of a identity crisis, I guess, or it's a strong way to say it. But I, after leaving Aladdin, I had to sit and think, and especially with you know 2020 shutting the world down, um, mm-hmm. this forced me to think about this. Who am I outside of trying to be other people on a regular basis? You know, and you spend 20 plus years auditioning and asking for permission to live in other people's lives for for periods of time. So I had to to sit and think, who is this guy? Who is major and what are the things that he you know, wants to accomplish based on the fact that you dreamt of doing this one particular thing, envisioned it, it happened, you achieved it. So now you have to sit with this power <laughs> that you didn't realize you had. When you set your mind to something and you see this thing happening, you are actually capable of attaining it. It's, you can't deny yourself that because you did it, right? So I discovered Newcom wall in a lad. I was, I found a place called recover and I would go to this place to recover. <laughs> and they had this, this scientific piece of work called Nucom that affects your brain chemistry. It takes you to the proper wavelength that you want to go to automatically. So alpha, theta for rest and recovery and things like that on a cellular level. Right. Fell in love with it. And then 2020 happened and then Recover closed and I was offered a position with Nucom, a creative position. And it ended up me turning it into me being the voice of, of the company. Um, so on the app, <laughs> when you download the app, uh, I am the tutorial voice and I will be um, doing multiple things moving forward with them. But I'm also a super fan of the product. Like that's how it, it started um, because I, had issues relaxing in between genie shows, you know, the adrenaline pumping, you would stay up all day and then be hard to make it through to recover, to do a two show Sunday as well. So how that all connects is that I had to evaluate the energy I had spent doing eight shows a week. The, the way that the skills were refined and sharpened and now I wasn't doing that. So it was about leaning into my versatility. You know, how do I continue my growth as an artist, but also acknowledge that I spent so much time doing the same thing and trying to get better at and more efficient at that same thing? It's like, okay, well, how many different things does that apply to? To the voiceover work, right? To, to the Twitch channel, which is connected to the voiceover work. The reason I started the Twitch channel is because I enjoy the video games, enjoy playing them, as well as enjoy being in them, so why not put them to, together, right? And also, I was a massage therapist before. What I used to do was take my massage chair and tables to the theater that I was doing a show at that evening and work on the people who came to the building and things like that, whatever whatever I needed to do. So. Wow my mental well-being was still very important to me, right? And I was also told by a theater teacher that theater should be therapeutic, but theater should not be your therapy. 
Mm. It's like, oh my goodness, has it been my therapy? Unpack that for a second. <laughs> and so, so that was that all of that connected was, well, major, how else would you fulfill this energy? You know, to grow, keep learning new things. So now, you know, learning to be my own um, engineer, you know, learning to run all of the tech that comes with the Twitch channel. And also none of that has to do with the rest of the, the rest of this talent still slides into the TV and film world. Mm -hmm. Right. I only had so much time to do those auditions and now I have a lot more, you know, now I can do all of these different things that are all this, the same energy as the theater that I've been doing for so long. And I just get to lean into it and enjoy life. And I get to do the exact opposite. You know, if there was some monotony to doing the same character over and over again, now I have so many different things that are all coming from the same energy that it can help me stay present and grateful for the fact that I've gotten to where I have and also grateful to be aware of the value of the growth and to not be afraid of that. I'm letting that sink in for a second. It's similar to answers I've heard talking about how people have had to look inward and reflect mm -hmm. during the pandemic mm -hmm. because again, your peers, you and your peers at the top of their game are just always while you're doing your eight shows a week, you're looking for your next job because you never know when the job you have exactly. is going to go away. And the emotional stress of that takes a toll. But then when you can't have it at all, you, like you said, who am I? What right. do you, what do I do without this, without this struggle that I complain about all the time and I wish wasn't there now that it's not here. What, what's going on? It allowed me, I love that. It allowed me to recognize how much control I have, or rather to go after what I do have control over. You know, um, like auditioning was my favorite part of the job because I felt like I had the most control in that situation. You know, yeah. I'm not there to ask for permission for a job. I'm there to negotiate whether or not my art fits with your art and we're going to do artsy things together. You know, so <laughs> that is, um, yeah, that, that's, you made me think of that because that's what I tell the, the youths when they ask me about <laughs> auditioning for Broadway and things like that or auditioning in, in general. You know? Yeah, it was Michael Yuri told me once, he said, uh, when he goes into the audition, he, you, you can't go in with the mindset of, I got to get this job. And if you don't get it, you lost it. You, it was never yours. You got to go in and just have fun, make your choices, and be you. Bring your authentic self to that role, to that audition, to that space in that time. And then if you didn't get it, you didn't lose it because you never had it in the first place. Exactly. Exactly. And yeah, and I, I'm okay with the idea of that not being so straightforward. Like, no, you don't go in and win or lose a role. You go in and you affect the people in the room. That's mm -hmm. it. You know, because I would much rather, um, rather than stress over that one particular moment, I would much rather walk into a room, audition, and like, oh man, I didn't get that, leave, but then get offered something that they saw on you. They, you know, like they see you and they're like, oh, he'd be perfect for this. And they just give you that. Like, mm -hmm. do you ever think about it? I was like, that's what I prefer. <laughs> you know, so that's fine. <laughs> That's a great way of doing it. It happens. I, it probably happens to a lot of people where you go in and you're like, well, 
we really like them. They came in an audition for such and such, but we yeah. want them. They're not right for that role, but they're so good that we're going to give them something else. And I've heard, I've heard similar stories like that where people have actually had complete roles written for them because they came into audition for one, for one part. It wasn't right for them, but the crew, the creative team loved them so much. They're like, Come we got to work with this person. Yes. You, you went right where I was headed. That's exactly it. It ends up getting you your own original role in the show. Mm-hmm. I love that. I love mm-hmm. that. And then other people then have to look up to you and they want to be like you. And then all you did was go in and be present in the moment. I loved it. Yes. Dude, that's great. <laughs> that is so cool. That's so cool. <laughs> Going to voiceovers real quick. Mm-hmm. I want to know, well, <laughs> I guess there's a voiceover part and then there's running your Twitch channel, which you do your live stream games in character. <laughs> No, I, I play as the character. Oh, I understand. You know what? I need to work on that wording. Um, because what I mean is I'll play the character on the game. Oh! Not necessarily do a stream in character. Yeah. Now, I, I like- will respond to people, you know, if if they if they ask nicely. And depending on the situation, um, I'll, I'll do things in the character's voice, of course. But to just sit in character, I mean, that's, that's hours of that. That's so, what I was saying. I was like, dude, I mean... I was gonna like, you know, give you mad props. Like you just sit there, and you're like, oh, guys, what's going on? I'd be mean, kind of I'm exhausted. Yeah, I was playing three at a time, man. Oh, I got headshot, headshot. Yeah. But it, you know, I was like, it's it's cool <laughs> until you have a character who, who who is exactly that. Like, but like if I was um uh in one game, I play a character named Descari, the Demon Lord of Locusts. And <laughs> That's his- almost what I changed my name to. <laughs> it's a it's a game called Pathfinder, uh, Wrath of Righteous, and this man has bugs crawling out of his mouth as he speaks. So no, I couldn't I couldn't do that. <laughs> <laughs> how, do you audition, how did you audition for that? When you walk in, talking about auditions, going back to that, how do you go in and audition for a guy who's got bugs crawling out of his mouth? Do you know, you do like who's your fingers in your mouth? <laughs> so sometimes I do. Yeah, well, and I I did I did actually I did. Ah, uh, let's see, because his voice is kind of like ah. Uh, he speaks slowly. Ah, uh, Ioma Day, you filthy peasant, uh, that type of thing. <laughs> 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 and so I was like, oh, if things are falling out of his mouth, if he's, you know, he's towers over the character and things like that. So yeah. Do you did you ever take any voiceover class formally, or is this something that you sort of fell into? Because I, I just watching you do that right now. I, there was such a sm- uh, a subtle change. You curled you curled your lips in, and that's all. That, and but then that just changes the entire yeah. way that the words come out, and it <laughs> makes me want to talk more slowly because I'm thinking about my lips moving. That's right. right? Like, well, do, do you fall into this naturally, or or where did that come from? Well, I mean, it, it's a little bit of both. I mean, I'm always a student. I'll be a student forever, right? Um, I would say. When it comes to voice acting, I try and get in the head of the character, um, which determines how his voice sounds. You know, I don't try to create a voice. I think, oh, I just am this thing. And then I start talking. <laughs> and then, you know, I'll, I'll adjust to be able to maintain it. Or, you know, you adjust for the, the type of situation it is, whether. You know, whether you're a calm character or whether you're in a video game and you're a mm-hmm. calm character, and then you could be calm and then you're still shooting people. Um, but I would say the, the majority of it came from 
all the theater. You know, I did theater nonstop. So it, it was that, that I was felt like I was always in something. And my, mm-hmm. when I, I used to schedule this back in Fort Worth, I would write out a schedule and I would show it to my mom and be like, okay, here, here's what we got. I can do these six shows, right? There's a role for me in all six of these shows, but these two shows overlap the dates. So I can't do both of these, but this show is this far from the house. So I'll lose this much money if I go do this show. So I would, I made sure <laughs> that I never stopped. <laughs> I just made that work. Um, so that's why I would say most of it comes from, but I'm getting back into classes though. It's, I'm, it's so much fun to, to, to have, to be where I am now, right. To, to not have to prove that I can do the thing, but to just work on getting better at it. Oh, it's, it's just crazy exciting. I never thought when trying to get better the first time, you know, I never thought about this energy, about this moment to once you actually accomplish something that you wanted, you know, and then, and then you get to get better and work harder. Um, so yeah, the, the, the answer is I feel like theater taught me a whole lot. And for me, this is what I should, well, yeah, for me, where I am doesn't matter. And whether or not someone is watching doesn't matter. So when I first got into voiceover work to naturally just make whatever face I needed to make, to make the sound happen, happened automatically <laughs> because I had done that on stage too. Right. <laughs> so that, that's really, I was like, let me, that's the answer. <laughs> Um, if I, you know, if I need to, to hunch over, if I need to take my shoes off, if I need to get on my knees to be this character, uh, I do it. I do it. I love that. I, I, I always love watching, um, behind the scenes reels of, of the professional animation, uh, professionally animated feature like movies and cartoons and, yeah. and all of these things, because they're the, the actors get recorded. Their faces get recorded because the animators use that to animate the face of the character. And, and it's there's so much you see of some little kind of like facial twitch or a tick or a way someone might curl the side of their mouth, like one side of their mouth when they're speaking or singing that then gets inherited into the way that the character is portrayed on stage. Yeah. And it, I mean, it, it's it's this whole yin and yang sort of thing, right? Because you can't you can't have one without the other. You, I just I, I love I do it. I, love I, it. I, I do that all the time. Like any anywhere from what you said was like fix your mouth a certain way or your body a certain way, so that this, so that it reminds you how the sound comes out, how that person moves. Or I will give an imitation or a version of something that I know very well that makes sense like um oh my pokemon character <laughs> don't know if this is something i should be saying what i'm saying my <laughs> pokemon character the uh, sub alpha zarud is my interpretation of shredder from oh those insolent turtles uh <laughs> yeah i used to love that growing up and that was james avery was that his name? Um, yeah. Rest in peace. He was the father on Fresh Prince of Bel Air. Fresh Prince, yeah. Yes, he he yeah. played he played um, Shredder's voice. So you I know, remember that, right? I but remember, but that yeah. voice coming out of a Pokemon who can speak English, mind you, in that movie, those Pokemon speak English. Mm-hmm. Um, 
yeah, it gives it a, a different interpretation. So that, that's, that's how different voices come out. I've got three standard closing questions that I ask Great. everyone to wrap up the episodes. The first one just simply is what motivates you? Ooh, empathy. Oh, I like that. All right. What advice would you give to your younger self and younger people listening now starting out down a similar path? Wow. Everything feels so cliche. Um, you already have everything you need. A well-rounded life makes for a well-rounded actor. There you go. And drink lots of water. And use yeah. sunscreen. Good Lord. Hydrate, baby. Hydrate. <laughs> Put on the cliche things. Wear a sweater outside, says grandma. Drink right. lots of water, says mom. Get, <laughs> wrap, a, wrap a tube sock around your neck if you get a fever. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Last question. Hardest one. If you can only see one show for the rest of your life, but you can see it as many times as you want, what would you see? What? Are we talking about a Broadway show? Yeah, sure. Let's go with Broadway. Oh, my goodness. Oh my gosh, you are. It's, that's terrifying almost. Um, <laughs> <laughs> only, only one. What has moved me like that? Um, you know what? Newsies. No, <laughs> 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 oh, if I, yeah, if I, I mean, yeah. I don't need any death and destruction. I need I need it to be a fine life out there. Tell tell Jeremy Jordan and Tommy Bracco. Yeah, I will. Andrew, Andrew and I just recently in. just recently became friends with uh, Kara Lindsay and Dan DeLuca because we did <laughs> Jolly Holiday together in Jersey. <laughs> and uh, I told them later. I said, you know, I did a really good job of not geeking out on the both of you. <laughs> <laughs> I love those folks. I loved it. All right, where can we find you on Twitch on social media? How can we connect with you online? Ah, yes, I am at Major Attaway everywhere except Twitch. On Twitch, I am I played, past tense, major. I played major. So when I win, I can say major played me. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, all of the information for uh, for the Twitch channel and for my upcoming shows in both 54 Below, which is also going to be live stream. So there's a link for you to um, attend the live stream, as well as we're doing another Genie's Jukebox in Fort Worth, Texas um, for Valentine's Day. It is Genie's Jukebox um, Disney Date Night, where we are celebrating love in all its many forms. All of that can be found at MajorAttaway.com. And then 54 Below, it's 54below.com slash major That's to right. get tickets to that as That's well. It. You can get more of me at thetheaterpodcast.com. I'm on Instagram and Twitter at theater underscore podcast, Facebook slash official theater podcast. Please leave a rating and a review wherever you're listening now. This has been edited by Well-Rounded Hoodlum Productions. Thank you to Jukebox the Ghost for the intro and outro music. Major Attaway, thank you so much for being here. I, my cheeks hurt from, from grinning this whole time. You are oh, such a delight to talk to. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you for having me. I'm so honored. I appreciate you. Take a deep breath, make the world a little colorful. Hey, it's Leslie Odom Jr. here on the Broadway Podcast Network to tell you about the RISE Theatre Directory, a program of maestro music. RISE is a national online resource designed to connect and empower backstage and administrative and creative theatre professionals from underrepresented backgrounds. If you work 
or aspire to work in the theater community, this can help you find your next project. And if you hire theater professionals, search the Rise Theater directory to find your next team. Create your profile now and get more information by visiting risetheater.org. That's theater with an R E R I S E T H E A T R E dot org because only together we rise. <laughs> 